0: You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702,
1: The Naked Scientist.
0: Dr. Chris Smith is in the building. Doctor, how are you doing?
1: Uh, I'm very good. How are you? Well, I I say that. I I think you and I are both suffering from the similar affliction of some vile virus, which is attacking my vocal cords. What's yours? uh, And
0: I'll tell you what mine is.
1: Oh, it's definitely worse than yours. Yeah.
0: My mine is just like it's it's either like a chronic laryngitis that's from a post-nasal drip, so I need to sort out my sinuses. That's what's happening with me.
1: Oh, okay. Now I think I've been afflicted by something virological because I was I was all right then I wasn't all right, and um, and it sort of comes and goes. But it's it's currently attacking my vocal cords and making me sound two octaves lower than I normally <laughs> do. So, sorry if I'm shaking people's <laughs> living room speakers. Making no their cars problem. vibrate or something. But.
0: We, we will survive. <laughs> also, I mean, the doctor said to me we've been wearing masks for over two years so we weren't exposed to all of these evolving bugs.
1: That's true. It's true. We've, we've all been socially distancing ourselves from everything for the last few years almost, isn't it? And the consequence is that we've completely interrupted the pattern of spread of most of the normal things we would normally catch. And the result of that is that we have lost a lot of our immunity to those things. In an average year, maybe half of people who are going to get the flu don't have any symptoms at all because they've had the flu recently enough that their underlying immunity means that they don't know they've even had the flu oh, they just wow. caught it updated their immunity and got rid of it now that number's probably slipping right down we're going to see loads of flu cases this winter certainly in the northern hemisphere which is where you know the flu season is about to start kicking off and it's going to be the same for all these other viruses that we would normally run into routinely Mountain effective immune response update the pre-existing immunity we've got don't know we've we've really had anything wrong with us move on now we've all forgotten. How to fight off even the common cold So unsurprisingly we're all being afflicted by loads of colds Colds are oh, genuinely common
0: Story of our lives But the work continues So let's go to the lines And you can give Dr Chris Smith a call On 11 830702 Or the WhatsApp line 72 Let us go to Julius in Kakehong Hi Julius Julius Hello, please turn okay, your radio you? off Hello Okay I'm going to pass you back on to our producer. Let us get Julius's radio off. Rodney in Florida. Glenn, go ahead.
1: Uh, yeah,
0: uh, oh, Rodney, your network is not great at all. Rodney, let's try that again. Uh, okay, um, let me move around. Much better. Much better, yes. Okay. Dr. Chris, electric cars are uh, all the rage today and all the new things. Uh, in years to come, um, what, um, what power source might technology come up with to replace electricity like we're replacing fossil fuels today? That's my question. Mm, nice one. Rodney in uh, Florida ah, Glenn.
1: I can't see electricity going out of fashion anytime soon, but I do see the way that we distribute, use and generate electricity changing out of all recognition in the coming years. I see that we will become much more efficient in our use of power because the devices we're making will will become a lot better at using the the useful energy that's in the electricity. We're already making steps in that direction. Just 20 years ago, we were all kind of happily screwing in electric light bulbs that had a hot piece of metal glowing to make light that was only actually producing about 5% light, 95% heat, you know, invisible light. Now we're into LED territory and we're in a position to cut the energy footprint and the carbon footprint, therefore, of lighting our buildings up by 20-25%. No problem with, with LEDs. So I think that we'll keep electricity, but the way that we use it, the way we distribute it, and certainly the way we generate it, from much more emphasis on renewables, we'll make much better use of this wonderful thing called the sun. At the moment, people build houses, they just have roofs that absorb the sun, make the building hot, and then we have to spend even more money making them cool again. We'll put solar panels, which are part and parcel of the build of the building, and we've got such a vast amount of land area that's actually just on roofs. We could have enormous amounts of solar capacity there. We will catch rainwater at the same time, so it'll be a, a double benefit. So I think, really, it's going to be a change in terms of how we make the energy, how we distribute it, and how we use it better. But I don't see that we're going to be switching around and replacing electricity anytime soon.
0: Ah, I cannot wait for us to be at that place. Sviso in Joburg South, hi.
1: How are you?
0: Good. Thanks And you. Yeah, just a good question to, to uh, uh, Dr. Smith. You know, uh, what what's the easiest way and, and you know the the most um, sort of simplest way to explain how a plane maintains its flight?
1: Okay, well, the simplest answer to this is to invoke the arguments that Isaac Newton from several hundred years ago, famous physicist of Apple falling on his head, inventor of gravity fame, would have used. And he would have said, well, let's take my laws. My first law is that unless something is uh, a net force is acting on something that doesn't move. So the plane is staying up in the air. Therefore, there has to be a force holding the plane up in the air because there's a a force of gravity trying to push it down. So there has to be lift holding the plane up. So where's it getting the lift from? Well, Isaac Newton's uh, third law is for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So the plane has wings, and it is using those wings to push air down and if you push air down air pushes you up equal with an equal and opposite force. So the bottom line is that the plane maintains its altitude in the air because it is pushing air downwards and the air is pushing the plane upwards and those things balance out and this keeps the plane in level flight. Now you're going to say well how do the wings generate lift? And the simple answer is look at the shape of them and you'll see that the front is higher than the back. So when air goes underneath the wing it goes from a high place and is pushed down to a lower place just by passing under the wing. So that's part part and parcel of it. You're pushing air downward, so it's going to push upwards. Then you'll say, but what about the air going over the top? I've heard all these complicated arguments about Bernoulli forces and all that. Not necessary to understand that. You just have to accept that the top of the wing is a curved shape. And when you have a fluid, an air is a fluid, flowing over a curved surface, it sticks to it. That's called the Coander effect, after Henri Coander. And in other words, as the air flows over the wing surface, it's being pulled down onto the curvature of the wing. So if you pull air downwards onto the wing surface, it pulls you back upwards. So in other words, you get a push from underneath the wing and you get a pull from above the wing And that adds up to the lift, which satisfies Newton's first law, which is that something's not going to move unless there's a net force acting on it. The net force is that you generated lift from moving air around, and that balances the gravity that's trying to pull the plane down, and that's why it goes long.
0: All right. Thank you so, so much for that question. And then we've got Zipo in Kabecha. Hi, Zipo. Hi, level and doctor. Mm. Just a quick one. Uh, I want to know. So all human beings have hormones, and these hormones uh, control or send messages to our body for different reasons. But now I, I don't understand how is it that hormones make women hate, especially hatred towards the father of the child. <laughs> wow, Zippo so this sounds very personal. And, and, well, <laughs> Zippo, are you talking about? Don't say woman, say my woman is your woman <laughs> hating you oh she hates me so much it, uh, and, and, and it's the second time because it's it's going to be my third child now yes uh, mommy for number one was okay but yes you know, child two and three so you, so you want doctor me. to help you understand why is it that when a woman is pregnant the hormones make her hate the father of the child yes because <laughs> hormones are chemicals so if if if, if, if there's a chemical that makes them act a certain way, yes, isn't there a chemical that I can add to the mix to <laughs> See, Zippo, the, qu- the chemical you need to add is to yourself
1: it's called chocolate. patience. I think it's called cho- no, I think it's called chocolate. It's <laughs> but, called chocolate. But it's a and valid question. <laughs> it's a valid question. No, it, is. it is a very valid and, question. And Zippo, let, um, me,
0: let, me, let me say to you this, now, having been pregnant. There were days I cried and I couldn't tell you if I was crying because I'm happy or I'm sad. It is it is the worst yet the best feeling all at the same time. You are so scared, you are terrified, but also you're excited. It is it is a very confusing time. Doesn't matter how smart, how wise, how educated. But let me let the doctor weigh in on the hormones part. I,
1: I think that. Is it, in a nutshell, that it's exhilarating, stressful, exhausting? Your body is growing a whole new human being made of trillions of cells inside you, and it's sapping off all your energy and resources in order to do it. And at the same time, it's controlling and coordinating what your immune system is doing, because your immune system is being reprogrammed while you're pregnant so that you don't reject something that's genetically incompatible with you, your baby. And your nervous system is really sensitive to the hormones which are produced during pregnancy. And the levels of hormones produced during pregnancy are way higher than the day-to-day levels of hormones. So as a result of this, unsurprisingly, people do find that it affects their mood, and all these factors conspire to make people feel very, very tired, very, very elated sometimes, but also very, very exhausted the next moment. And all these things can rob some people sometimes of patience. And so really the bottom line is just have to be understanding, patient. And as I say, chocolate is really helpful.
0: Zippo, and I mean, can I just add as well, Nat, like
1: it,
0: it, it, it really helps when you do the reading as to what's happening in the body and not focus so much on... Whatever emotions are being directed your way, like you're the one who mm. made her pregnant, bro. Of course, she's gonna hate you. Who must she hate? <laughs> the people on the radio, <laughs> you know. And it's part yeah. that that this is what you are carrying. She's carrying the baby, so you can carry the, the, the difficult emotions for her. Oh, oh. okay. I hope, I hope that helps, man. Yeah, when is the baby I think due? I, think. Uh, I don't know. Um, it's, it's too early, so, still early, still early. Yeah. Don't worry, just, you, you'll be fine. <laughs> I actually, Dr. Chris, have people tweeting me saying, oh no, my wife also hated me during the, the first two pregnancies. And another one says, my friend also hated her hubby during the two pregnancies that she has gone through. And I guess it's, it's like what you, you say, chocolate, I say patience. Um, let's go to Derek in Clagsdorp. Hi, Derek. Um, um I want to ask you and the good doctor there mm. um, why why is it that when I pee a lot when I drink alcohol than when I drink water or juice or anything like that? Can I ask a question Derek how on an average night, how much alcohol do you drink? Wow um, no listen, it's not for judgment purposes I'm just and this is a non this is a non scientific person asking because my natural answer would be. We can drink so much alcohol, but we can't drink that much water in one sitting, and, and maybe doctor can help explain. But do you drink, like, is it six cans of beer, or... Uh, 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 let me say, three cans. Three, three, oh my God, derig don't lie to us. <laughs> let's all right, all let's right. call I'll, it... I'll stick to three cans, three. and I'll listen, to the, I'll listen to the doctor, because I'm driving, I don't want to get arrested. Okay, yeah.
1: thanks, Derek what we always used to say when when we were being taught as medical students and now when i teach medical students is you ask somebody how many fags do you smoke and how many tins do you drink and then you take whatever number they give you and you double it because the patient will halve it the doctor will say no i don't believe you and so if you sort of double it you're probably around about where reality is yes. so derek's probably halved half the real number the bottom line is derek there's a couple of things going on one is that when you sit and drink a bit like labor was saying You sit and drink and you take a lot of fluid all at once in in one short space of time, so you tend to notice that you're peeing a lot. That's the first point. The second point is that alcohol is a diuretic. In other words, it's a chemical that will make you wee more because what happens is the alcohol goes into your bloodstream. It dissolves in the watery part of blood. This means it also dissolves in the water that's made in your kidney to become urine. And by being there, it pulls more water with it. So it keeps water leaving the body in greater volumes than the kidney would otherwise allow. And so as a result of that, you do produce more urine when you have alcohol on board, in the same way that someone who has really high sugar levels, if they're diabetic, produces more more urine because the sugar pulls water with it. The alcohol's sort of doing the same thing in someone after they've had a heavy session.
0: But from your studies, doctor, do people generally con- – um, are we capable of consuming more alcohol without being aware how much we're drinking versus, you know, having a sitting of just drinking juice on mm, juice on juice? I think that's juice. probably
1: true. If, if you just gave people a glass of water and said, drink a pint of water, after about two pints of that, they'd be really bored. They would want the wee, but they would be really bored. They probably wouldn't want any more water to drink. But people will sit there and drink five pints of beer. No problem. Well, they probably would have a problem, but you see what I mean? It's much easier because it tastes nice. There's a convivial surroundings. You also perhaps lose your judgment a bit because you get a bit drunk. So all these things come into play, and and I think that makes it easier to drink larger volumes of alcoholic beverages than just plain old water, which is probably also then why you do end up consuming more, which is why you eat more.
0: Okay, I got you. Leo in Boxburg. Hi. Hi, how are
1: you?
0: Good, thanks, and you? I'm okay, i speaking to Leo, here. Yes. Mm. Um, I've got a question for Dr. Chris. I was wondering, how did we end up with different animals in different continents? Like Australia will have kangaroos, Asias will have pandas, and the Cayman in the Americas, and Africa will have what we have, the best of the best. How mm. did that
1: come about? The simple answer is that the earth is broken up into tectonic plates, and some of those tectonic plates are continents and at different times in earth's history those continents have been together and apart and when they come together animals spread across them as to plants but then over geological time scales meaning millions of years they carry on moving because the the whole of the earth's surface is moving around and repositioning itself at roughly the same rate that fingers and toenails grow and fingernails not fingers fingernails grow and as a result of that it's going to separate certain land masses And then the evolution that patterns, changes, guides the progression or the evolving of species in those particular landmasses continues. And, of course, when the continental plate moves to a different geography it's going to have very different conditions it may get drier it may get hotter it may get colder and so you're going to slowly select for animals that are better adapted to those climbs you're going to select for plants that are better adapted to surviving under those conditions so you specialize on the sorts of flora and fauna that are in those continents but back in earth's history 200 million years ago or so All of the continents are all fitted together like a giant jigsaw. And that's why we've got species which are common to say the African continent and the South American continent. The two have since separated, but you'll find similarities there, apart from the shape, which you can see how they would have fitted together. You've also got the the flora and fauna, which are an interesting match between the two for that reason, with evolution in the interim superimposed on top.
0: All right. Thank you so much. Chad in Johannesburg South. Hi.
1: How are you?
0: Good, good. Good. Um, I just want to know quickly, is it possible that there are extra dimensions um, other than our third dimension? And because we've now mapped dreams, is it possible that the human mind is capable of accessing those extra dimensions?
1: Hmm. Thank you, Chad. Well, you can certainly think about them, Chad, and and Stephen Hawking was pretty good at at describing 11-dimensional space in his books, but um, it it left me completely completely confused, I must admit. Um, Of course, there are four dimensions. There's X, Y, and Z, which is left, right, and up and down, and then there's time on top, and a good way of thinking about this is if you've got an intersection in a road, you've got a road going along, that's one dimension, you've got a crossroads in a road, that's two dimensions, and so cars which are meeting at the crossroads in the X and Y will, will potentially have a crash, but if we have another dimension which is a flyover over the top of the road, the, the intersection, then there can be cars in the same X and Y coordinate but not in the same Z coordinate, so they can all be in the same X and Y position in, in the same time and they wouldn't necessarily know each other was there. So there are lots of ways in which these dimensions can affect our experiences potentially and how the universe works but we certainly haven't evolved to be able to grapple with them easily and it takes a very big brained person to be able to do that whether or not dreams are anything to do with that i think that's unlikely i think our physiological simple explanation for what dreams are which is the brain reanimating certain brain areas which are specialized for certain jobs in a slightly less coordinated way than when we're consciously aware and they produce various experiences which some of which we remember we don't really know the role of those dreams, but we, we know roughly what's going on when we dream and, what, and why, therefore, we're dreaming. I think that's probably a more plausible explanation than we're in some way accessing some higher dimension with our nervous system.
0: Thank you so, so much for that. Let's go to Silo in Joburg. Hello? Hi, Silo. go ahead. Hey, good doctor. Good afternoon. Uh, great show. I wanted to ask the doctor, uh, what causes rum fits and uh, what can one use
1: to prevent that? Did you say rum cheeks?
0: Rum fits. Is that what you're saying, Silo?
1: Yes, rum fits.
0: Uh, uh, Fits Uh, as in F-I-T-S. R-U-M. Yes. Rum and fits for seizures. Uh, did you get that mm. dog, sir?
1: Yeah, but I, I don't know what's being referred to here. I think I need a bit more information. Perhaps you could email me. Can you write to me? It's chris at com, and I'll see what I can find out. I haven't come across that particular term, so I, I don't want to say the wrong thing. So um, drop me a line, and I'll see what I can do.
0: Thank you. Thank you uh, uh, so much, Silo, for that. Let's see how we can help you out um, and see if we can follow up with that next week. Thank you so much, Dr. Chris Smith.
1: You're welcome.